Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recording started. Hello, everybody. I want to welcome you to this May Chexic discussion group call for Tactical Sovereignty. This wonderful Mother's Day. So, um... Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. And this, of course, is Sunday, the first day of the week, not the seventh, not the Sabbath. And we're just kind of having an open chat this evening. And um, Keith is talking about um, identifications and someone having their identification taken away. And I think one of the things that's important today is that what we do is we really see what they're doing. Let's look at the game that they're playing and play the same game, play the, do the same thing they're doing. Since everything's going digital now and they're accepting uh, digital copies of like identification and even registration title, things like that for vehicles or for your auto, your car, whatever you want to call it then you just do the same thing and have a file set up on your phone. And that is where you keep a copy of any of these identifying things that you use, DBA, et cetera, et cetera, and keep them all there. And that way, like, for instance, somebody like, for instance, with a world passport, if that's what they're using, well, you won't have to worry about it getting absconded. They've agreed that using a digital format is fine. So you can just show it to them digitally and you don't have to worry about them ever taking any of those things away from you for whatever reason. Uh, because even if it's something as simple as say, if you're carrying a driver's license and that was to be taken for one reason or another, there's more and more things today. It seems like they're wanting to see that particular card for to do different things. So as long as you're just keeping a digital copy of it on you, then uh, you've kind of sidetracked that obstacle as far as something being absconded from you. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And I just dropped a number, uh, a code number in the chat comments. And if one were to take and copy paste that into their search engine, no matter what search engine, they would come up to a page that's going to give you some information about my site. And that site or that page will give you the links to the site. That's that's a a private routing by number by an by an enumeration, and that that code is literally a lock, a, a key that opens a lock to my site. You have to you have to be able to have access to my site, and it's on the public domain. But if you use that number, it takes you directly to my faith based union page, which is where the trust is expressed. And then, like I said, if you go to the home page. The first thing on the homepage is the disclaimer and copyright from the Universal Postal Union claimed under fair use. And that puts me in alignment as a as a dot uh, domain extension, a top level domain. It puts me in alignment collaterally with the Universal Postal Union and its regulations. 
Now, its regulations as a union is Her Majesty's Union. And what that union consists of is the postal union members, which are the nation's leaders, that Congress together every so often during Geneva Conventions and Vienna Conventions under the Law of Nations or the Treaty of Peace and the Treaty of Bern to amend those documents under the Law of Nations through the Universal Postal Union. Now, those members are, a, are under the Royal Warrant Holders Association, and they are known to be suppliers of goods and services to the household of the Queen, the Duke, and the Prince. And through the postal system and use of an address that is trademarked and copyrighted and then registered, United States Postal Service holds the registration, Postal Service holds the trademark, and the Universal Postal Union has the disclaimer and copyright. So when we learn how that's constructed and realize that the use of the address is a trademark piece of property, and you're being considered as household goods agents all the way up the line. When that fact is not so, you have never truly been appointed. It has only been a designation of the national laws and the conference of a nationality. And none of it is true. Every last one of them is operating under the law of nations, which is a military forum and a martial law system. And when we read that code, it says martial law chiefly affects the police and the collection of public revenues and taxes by the expelled government or the invader for its army, it, the, the safety of the army and it's the safety of its operations. And again, that union is the Universal Postal Union and it's Her Majesty's Unions under the Union Customs codes and therefore we have customs brokers on the international level and securities brokers on the national level when you're using that address it's one of the two and if you're only being conferred then it's under a national security item whereas if you correct the record and establish the acknowledgement and the collateral standing then it's a customs security you have to deal with a customs broker and not a securities broker. And this is explained in 5 U.S.C. Excuse me, 39 U.S.C. 762.12, where in person includes corporations or co corporation, excuse me, individual or individuals. I think it's interesting that you bring up uh, that term uh, Her Majesty there because yeah. if anybody, you know, you do research back into you know, the postal routes and how all of that got started, addresses and all this, you're going to uh, come across the Thurnund Taxes family and yeah. if you, I, went, yeah, I, I went and did a search here a year or two ago uh, on the Thurnund Taxes family and uh, one of their matriarchs actually uh, is still pretty close friends with the queen. Yes. And it's all very interconnected. But as I was saying, by use of that address, then um, we're infringing on it. We're seen as infringing on an, a trademark. And so 
through that, mm. they've got the judicial system is regulated by the Postal Service, guys. And then we have that judicial system, which is an international judicial system regulated by the Swiss franc, administrated in the nations through executive and legislative branches that are then administrated through its territories. So none of it is, in fact, true without the authority of the Postal Service and the Postal Regulatory Commission. And like I said, it's the Postal Service that has the trademark. And it's the United States Postal Service that is registered under that trademark. And when it comes to federal government, federal government means all entities of the government of the United States, including the United States Postal Service and the Postal Regulatory Commission. Then under 12 U.S.C. 3201, it says establishment of federal branches and agencies by foreign bank. So when we start using that address and we're not using it in correlation with the nation by absolutely recognizing that United States citizenship and taking an oath and being properly licensed, then we are considered a foreign bank establishing a federal branch or agency within the territory of the United States. And that's against the law. Yeah, actually, it definitely would be. I mean, it, I can think of several sightings in the Law Nations, actually, where that, that would even be uh, unlawful as well. Well, and then, like I said, those administrative law judges, they're actually operating under a copyright royalty judgeship because of that. And nobody's saying anything because they don't want you to find out. But I did. And that's under the Securities <laughs> Code. Commodities and Securities Code 17 CFR is regulations. 17 USC is the code. And so they're codifying it as royalty, uh, copyright royalty judgeships. And that's why they take the address. When you give them a name and address for service of process, and then they use the last name and convert it to a firm name and the social security number as an obligor number because you're considered to be an investor. investor. If you're a foreign bank operating in, in the territory of the United States, you better be considered an investor and not a foreign enemy trading with an enemy of the state. Mm. One mm. or the other, they got you in catch 22 unless you know this and can throw it right back in their face. I'm sorry. I've never, I've never been qualified under the uh, uh, royalty warrant, uh, Royal Warrant Holders Association. I'm not, I'm, I'm not <laughs> a military officer. Do you have such a warrant uh, a, a pro, uh, 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 appointment? that would appropriately fund me because if not, then I have no national currency or, or reserve currency, according to your military script. Therefore I must coin my words or purse my lips. And I'm told to use the word of God to do so. Yeah. You know, if you even go to um, some of the interviews that Harmon Taylor has done, uh, Harmon Taylor back when he was still an attorney, for those that don't know the backstory on him, he was representing the families that were involved in the Oklahoma City bombing. Right. And yeah, with yeah, uh, Timothy McVeigh. You. Right. And his goal in that was to uh, preserve evidence. And part of that preserving evidence would have been, you know, to try and keep McVeigh around a little bit longer to find out what they could from him. 
and that way solidify more of his case. And as Herman Taylor dug into things, he found that really what it comes down to is the use of that military script, the use of their money. That's what establishes the jurisdiction. Yeah. And so what are you doing? All, laws are com- or all crimes are commercial because they can only charge you with a crime under their military script. And that means it must be commercial because that's that's what the martial law chiefly affects the police and the collection of public taxes and revenue. That's right. It. And that, that's exactly what 27 CFR 7211 cites. It says that these are crimes against federal revenue. Yeah, and that's what tells me, you know, and I just did a short video the other day explaining about colorable money. Everybody wants to talk about this colorable money and they see this Federal Reserve notes in the different denominations and they look at monopoly money and it's the same color. Well, look at your damn stamps. Where do you think colorable money comes from? Do you think they started making stamps first or money? The first form of money was a stamp. Well, if you go to prison today, what is the money in prisons? Yeah, stamps. Yep. Remember, remember, you go to the local local family mom um, and pop store, and you get them stamp sheets. Yep. Those are military coupons. You fill them up with one hundred stamps, each stamp re- representing one cent for one dollar. That's a military script. One one hundred. That's a company. You know what? You you can even buy things with stamps. I, I would even uh, tell people, you know, try it out. Yeah, go to go to your store and go in with, uh, say, a couple $5 stamps from the United States Postal Service and yeah. go into a store and see if you can purchase oh. items with those stamps, because I guarantee you can. Yeah, I've got a store right here that has a has a uh, Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship certificate on its wall with a scale able uh, allowing it to do postal business. They tried to refuse to cash a postal money order on me one time. I had to explain to him, listen, brother, this is a $100 money order. And I suggest if you don't want to be charged $1,000 by the postal service, you cash it for me for $100. Because here's a number you can call for the Northern District of the Postal Service and talk to Susan and ask her the same same thing I'm telling you. If he refuses to cash that check when he's got a scale in his, his possession, then he's refusing an obligation of the Postal Service, not an obligation of the United States, an obligation of the Postal Service. And that's in accordance to the real estate investment trust that he has a scale to support. That's denying that obligation when he's got a contract to do so. That's breach. That's not breach of just the postal contract. That's breach of the postal trust. I will have that scale removed as a beneficiary proving that you breached the trust and in order for you to establish a foundation to have a scale in your possession again this trust must be collapsed and re-established upon re-education of you not me oh yeah he got on the phone and five minutes later that check was cash you know a lot of things seem like a little far-fetched to a lot of people probably but i, I recommend with everything uh go, go right back to source you know, if you want, if you want to find out what's going on, and so for instance, you can just go to whatever your favorite search me engine is. Uh, I call it that because it searches you while you're searching it. 
but go go to your favorite search engine go, go to the great oracle and just ask the question what are the requirements for a legitimate nation or a legitimate country and you're going to find on there there's going to be landmass there's going to be population and i think number three is a postal service right which is a military post a postal service is a military operation in every sense of the word because as a military post you are guarding something this is directly relative to equity. And as man, under the, uh, Isaiah 54, verse 1, it, the first word says sing. And so when we think about the term post, it is not a noun of a person, place, or thing. It is a, in the sense of a noun of a thing, a concept, an intangible thought of singing the word of God. When, and God is love. So you sing the word of God, God uh, of love, not hate and war. So as a military operation, that posting of war rants is blasphemy against the true original meaning of post. And I, I've got something I want to read to you real quick. Um, because it says in, let me find it. Well, while you're looking that up, I want to add to that, you know, in my opinion, everything done by the state or the government or specifically the government um, is a military action. And that just doesn't go for the United States. That, that goes for every country. They're all military actions because it's their might behind whatever they're doing. It's their enforcement that keeps things in place. And that can only be done through a military action. And if, yeah. if we look at uh, the Libra code, for instance, what you were reading earlier, gosh, it sounded so much like stuff from the Libra code. But you read the Libra Code and right in the beginning, it's going to tell you that the only way that could be gotten rid of was by a presidential proclamation or by Congress. And neither of those ever occurred. Yeah, and that's why we've got to we've got to make the Declaration of Peace. <laughs> and again, this is noted in Article 139 of uh, the Libra Code, where you have to declare the armistice and it's not up to the uh, the policing power to recognize it until you notice them. So what they're saying is they're not going to recognize a peace treaty with the individual man because they don't have a peace treaty with the individual man. They have a peace treaty with nations. Okay. So the individual man, and this is why I say, <laughs> we got to step up one by one and make this declaration and let them know, hey, we're peaceful. We're not involved in your war or to combat. And in relation to the post, like I was saying earlier, their their military enforcement of their post is the military station, the military place. Whereas post, like I was saying in Jeremiah 51, verse 31, it says, one post shall run to meet another. And one messenger to meet another, to shew the king of Babylon that his city is taken at one end. <laughs> and when we what we see in this, in my sense, my 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 observance is, first of all, that post <laughs> is the description of a man, 
<coughs> and the action of post makes it a verb, meaning shall run to meet another. And that is what we think of today when we put something from our mind to a record. Our mind ran to meet another messenger. And so we posted it on the paper. And that's a mistake. We're not supposed to be posting to paper. We're supposed to be posting from mind to mind. And people aren't doing that. Well, you know, you even look at what a state really is. And if you can dig deep into, like, for instance, United Nations, and they don't really want to come right out and, and say it. You just kind of have to look at the different references they make. And ultimately, what a state is, it, it's not a noun. We think of it as a noun, but it's more of a description. It's more of the condition that something is in. And right. the state that the condition that a state is in, they're in a state of being a conquered territory. That's what a state is. It's a conquered territory. Right. And that's that's a stationary position, like I said before. And like you said, it's a description of, of a sense of being. And that that thing that you're describing, like we say, it is as an as a noun is a person, place or thing. Now, if it's a person. Most people believe that it's a moving thing when that's not true. The person is only the ink in the paper. The, the place is, is something that's absolute and you can find. You can find a tree. You can find a building. You can find a post office. But the noun that describes them is still just a noun. The thing itself is real. And so I can call it a tape measure while you call it a truck. Okay, you can call it a truck all you want, but if I use it as a tape measure and I decide I want to call it a tape measure to find out how long it is between my house and grandma's house through, over the river and through the woods, then I'll do so. That's my determination. And a lot of people have a have a problem with that because they think they have to use somebody else's definitions. And I come upon this um, explanation here to try to show people the difference between the way they've been taught to spell Yahweh and the way you can spell it yourself. So you can relate to the sound rather than the spelling. And that is to remove all consonants, leaving you with five vowels and then put them in a different order than what you see so that you can hear the word of God. E I O U A. Now say them together in a natural sense and you might come up with Yahweh. I think that makes sense. But well, there's I been different that. studies. Yeah, a lot of different studies done on that name. And uh, my, my personal opinion is Yahweh was a totally different character than we think Yahweh was. Well, yeah. Well, Yahweh, in my, in my observation, is just a, uh, is a foundation of a moral system people think that i have to believe in the scripture i don't believe in the scriptures guys i use the scriptures as a foundation of logic and reason by reading them and and professing that they are still in on and for the record and that's because 
a very large majority of the public population knows them in their heart to be valid. Not necessarily true, but valid. And when we put that word valid in there, we're, we're thinking about can you use them for something positive? And this is something the Palatano talks about in positiveness as opposed to positive law. Positive law isn't what you think. But when you have positiveness, it leaves open the door for continued growth. When you have positive law, it shuts things down and says this is finality. If you want to talk about finality, go back to com uh, he commanded and it was done. He spake and it stood fast. And that is my status and my standing as a stranger and sojourner with him, ever moving with every breath I take, being an act of God, proving that I am not stationary. Very different. With that, I yield. Well, a lot of this really also boils down to, I think, and looking in, you know, what we find today and different issues that people bring up and. Uh, a lot of different crazy ideas about, oh, well, uh, this individual was swapped out. They're not real. Actually, this is a third different uh, entity that has used that name. I, I don't want to bring up any specifics, but this has been said about many people. You know, they've been swapped out. It's like, okay, that's, that's maybe fun information or whatever, but it's not usable. It's like, what are you going to do with it? You can't yeah. do anything with that. That's just another rabbit trail that takes you to nowhere land. Well, yeah, and I, I spoke about Isaiah 54 in, in the, the post thing. We're supposed to sing, and that's the meeting of the minds. And when we come against these uh, ideas that we're supposed to attack these people and come up all these different theories of how to beat them and stuff, again, I go to Isaiah 54, verse 17. We're to let no tongue prosper against us. We're to let no tongue rise up in judgment against us and shall condemn those such words. But in that, that's condemnation. That's not judgment. We're not judging the people. We're condemning the words that are used in that record that are placing a judgment for a, 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 a prophet against the, the living soul. And we're not supposed to allow that happen. And the only way we can do that is by using the righteous words of our, the Lord our God through Jesus Christ as he taught us. And, and that's the only intent of singing anything. When we go posing any kind of record, posting it, and, and it's placing some kind of judgment or causing for action to make a pecuniary re recompense um, from somebody that's not part of that system, that's egregious. That goes to Deuteronomy 24, verse 7. Kidnapping the children of the Israel, or kidnapping children of Israel, making merchandise of them, they shall be put to death. You shall put evil away from among you. And that's the reason that you sing. Because after it comes, starts out with sing, the next words is, oh, barren ones. So even if you don't have children, you have to think about this and realize um, the only way you get your only existence is because you you yourself are a child a child of our father in heaven you're not a child of your mom and dad on earth people get that wrong they think cps is taking their children that's the wrong claim to be making when cps takes a child excuse me you've just stolen one of the children of israel and you're making merchandise of him under your title 4d contracts can you explain this please 
That's that's a pretty grave, grave accusation, I know. But they can't deny it. I didn't claim that's child that child is mine. I claim that that child was brought into this worth as a as one as one of our creator. Before he formed him in the belly, he knew him. Did you know him before you he formed him in the belly? Did you know his mom and dad? No, you don't even you're taking that child from his mom and dad, didn't know his mom and dad or that child. And God did so before. God knew you before he formed you in the belly. What is wrong with you, brother? This well, is, it automatically just goes to, you know, people being born and what do they do? They automatically go and they put on the mask. They put on the person of a state-created entity instead of using what was already given to them. You know, if, if people don't think that there's big money behind um, <laughs> these Title IV codes, I'll tell you what. That's you know, all just, yeah, you, you can do a search um, for all the states and, and look up how much money the states bring in under Title IV D. I remember looking at Texas here a couple years ago, and it was like $10 million or something like that that they started bringing in just after Title IV-D had been enacted. And that, that was enacted by, if people don't know, it was enacted, I believe, under Clinton uh, by the federal government. And so these are funds coming to the state from the federal government. So, you know, if you hear different states claiming that they're broke and this and that, well, guess what? Where do you think they're going to be trying grabbing money from? That right there is one of their avenues of funding. Oh, yeah. And the courts, like I said, in destroying families, you know, when they start giving those traffic citations to people that aren't part of the military jurisdiction because they've been induced into believing they have to have all these IDs and everything. The public education system, I did a video on that. Um, public education is the wrong path because the public education is a general provision of the military. And it's titled the General Provision or General Education Provisions Act. So they generally educate you under military provisions so that you have a competency to at least read, write, and do arithmetic. But they'll never teach you their banking and trust law. No, you know, and I'll tell you what, I think probably most of the people coming out of that indoctrination camp today, a lot of them are lucky if they can even read and write. You know, people don't realize that over 50% of the U.S. population is functionally illiterate. Well, not only that, but not only are they functionally illiterate, but they're functionally incomprehensible. I can explain things to you people, but I cannot comprehend it for you. We have to get back to learning how to comprehend things. And that comes from by that comes by getting back to the roots. And this is why I've been telling people for a long time. When I first really dug into my research, I the first thing I looked up was roots of knowledge. And it brought me to epistemology. Then it took me to etiology, the root cause. And then I learned about etymology, root words. And I'll be damned if those three things aren't the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I'm the root cause. Jesus Christ is is the root knowledge or, or root word, and and God is the or our Father is the root knowledge. Knowledge of His word through Jesus Christ gives us our cause. Well, the roots are is the one of the main objectives as well as like you said the family that 
they want to destroy today, that they want to get rid of. They, they want to get rid of the roots. They want to get rid of the knowledge of origin. I mean, gosh, uh, how many uh, millions and millions of uh, black Americans have they tricked into believing that they actually came from Africa? I mean, they've totally yeah. destroyed their foundation and uh, a couple of things I'd love to add to that, but I, I really shouldn't, but th that's what they want to do. And you go back to the origin, you even go back to the first story that is told to people about Adam and Eve and what was being done there. Uh, they was trying to drive a wedge between the husband and wife. It's the oldest trick in the book. People want to say prostitution is, is the oldest now, now, the oldest trick that was done has been trying to put a wedge in between the male and the female. Yeah, and that's why I say when we think about the children, they're not our children, okay? The, 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 the dad gave the seed, okay? He granted the seed. He's the grantee. Mom is the trustee who accepted the seed and bears that foundry. For nine months. In that they are co-trustees. Of the act of God. That they were both given. So that they could inspire. To do such recreations. And when that child is born. A man. And takes his first breath. He becomes a living soul. While at the same time. Mom and dad stink, still think. They're, 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 they're a man. Because they don't realize when you're born and cast under the world, you are now a living soul. Every breath you take is an act of God. And as soon as they, mom and dad have that baby, they get rid of that act of God and perpetrate it on that birth registration without knowing. And that's the whole cause of it. Instead, okay. of, instead of putting our children in this public education system and believing that that education system is dependent upon the birth registration so we can be involved in employment and get a job and a higher education when in fact we seek our higher counsel and have gain a greater higher wisdom go ahead are you yeah you're you're actually wanting to get that stuff from somebody else instead of take care of it yourself like you're supposed to now i was thinking about that the other day about you know, about the creator breathing, you know, the spirit or the breath into man at the time of creation. And I was thinking about, you know, how, how many times is it, you wake up in the morning and, you know, you just might have the blahs. You don't want to do anything. Oh, let me stay in bed all day. You know what I mean? It's because you don't have that spirit. You don't have that drive isn't in you. But once you get that drive in you and you lay there for a few minutes and you start thinking, okay, I need to be doing this. I need to get that done. I need to get this other object taken care of. And then start building that spirit in you, you know, and it's that spirit that gives you the drive. And without that, you know, you don't have, you don't have that, that force within you to, to make things happen or to even want to do anything at all, you know. Well, yeah, and that's, that's part of the responsibility that we're supposed to take in not being selfish. We have to realize, again, like I said, those children aren't mine, but I have to get up every day and try to help the moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and the lawyers and judges and everybody else comprehend, hey, listen, we all need to quit fighting. 
because in eventual reality, everyone has to look at this and see where what it is, what it is. We are killing our own children. And that cannot be dismissed. You have to be able to see this. We are killing our own children. We have to find a way to solve that. That is our true inheritance. If we continue killing our children, then we have to admit that we're killing ourselves. And that is suicidal and insane. I yield. And probably the worst thing people are doing, well, I would say second worst thing, next to letting them watch television, uh, the next worst thing is probably sending them off to school. It's almost like uh, you're giving them a weapon and then saying, okay, here, go to school so you can learn how to use this weapon against yourself. Exactly, exactly. And that's why I say you have, we have a, a reading uh, uh, a level of uh, seventh grade average. The comprehension level is just ridiculous. I don't. Oh think, yeah, I don't. There think is really, really comprehend it. No, there is no comprehension level. I'll tell you what, you know, uh, especially like say maybe Gen Xers or whatever people that I talk to, and it seems like they have a difficult time conjugating thoughts or whatever. I, I was at a store several weeks ago, and the guy in front of me had like, I don't know, maybe like 10 items or so, something like that. And this young kid was there uh, as a cashier, and he actually said to the guy, do you want a bag? And the guy was like, uh, yeah. And the kid was like, oh, okay. Well, how many bags do you want? And I'm standing there listening to this going, are you serious? This is our future. This is what is being brought up that is, well, obviously not going to be in charge of anything someday. It's going to be nothing but a servant or a peasant the rest of his life. But I'd say, what is wrong with this kid? And it, it wasn't just that experience. But, I mean, I, I see that kind of thing all the time. And you just shake your head, you know. Yeah, everybody wants to say, oh, well, we're growing intellectually. We're getting smarter and smarter. Oh, I'm sorry. People know how to push more buttons than they did 100 years ago. That's the only difference. Yeah, I don't see it much. I, I've got a little story of this uh, store that I was talking about that has the, the, the postal scale. Well, I go up there, and when I get my cigarettes, there's this guy that forever and a day now, I don't know how long he's worked there, nine months or so, but every time I go to him to get and get cigarettes, he always asks me for a birthday. He knows I don't have an ID now. And so every time I give him a birthday, I give him a ridiculous type birthday. You know, I always tell him, like, I, I always use my, my birth month, <laughs> August, but then I'll tell him, like, the 14th one day, the 23rd the next time, um, but then I'll give him this fucking just ridiculous year. It's 2022, dude. And I'm going to give you my birth date. And I'm standing right in front of you. And I'm going to give you 8-13-1907. Now, because his machine will accept that birth date, he will enter it in and say thank you. Do I look like I'm a hundred and some years old, dude? Yeah, sure. You look like you're 115, 116 years old. Why not? <laughs> now, now, granted, now, granted, I can't give him that that particular year because the the machines will only um, take, I think, 90 years. 
I think the machines for, for identifications, they have, they can only go back 90 years. So if I gave them something like 91 years prior, it would, it would say, no, that's a bad date. And I would have to show my ID or prove it some other way. Of course, then that goes against reasonable logic. If it's going back that, that far and it says, uh, no, that's not a valid date. And your guy is standing right in front of you. He's obviously at least three times older than 18. Then maybe you ought to think twice about verification. But no, they want to do with the paperwork or the machine tells them, like you said. They don't want to use reason and logic and simple thought. They want to make sure that they're doing what the machine tells them. Yeah, I know. I would say also anybody listening, if you're thinking, oh, no, that's not true. We're way smarter than we were 100 years ago. I, I would I would give you a challenge. You can find it online very easy. It is the eighth grade equivalency test back in 1892. Go take the eighth grade equivalency test for 1892 and tell me how you score. I would love to hear uh, throw it down in the comments on this. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> I'm going to have to do that. Let you know, brother. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you. I, I I showed it to my mom a few years ago, and she's a college grad, you know. And she looked at it and just kind of shook her head. She's like, "Wow." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got a I got a 98 on the SATs, and they had me take the MMPI uh, MPPI a couple times, and we're amazed, but. I, I've never heard of that one, so I'll have to go check it out and see what happens. Yeah, you'd be pretty amazed. But I, I, I definitely don't think people have been moving forward. I, I think people have been um, slowly moving backwards and backwards. And it's interesting to see how some traits, gosh, I don't, I don't know if they're genealogical, you know, if they're in people's DNA or what. But, you know, in the past several years with what's been going on and, you know, people being forced to wear face diapers and things like that, um, you can also, another little experiment you can do is go around to, um, you don't have to eat at them, just go around to some various restaurants in your area and go to the different ethnic ones. Uh, go to some Asian ones. Go to some Spanish ones. Go to some European ones. I go to some uh, black restaurants as well, and, and look and see the percentage of people at the different restaurants, the workers specifically, that are wearing face diapers. Still, I find that very, very interesting. Oh yeah, and well, another thing, um, I'm I'm thinking about uh, hitting the uh, city council meeting here pretty soon. And now that the mask mandate's over, I'm going to wear a mask. I'm going to go in and I'm going to have a mask over my eyes. Be wearing a hat. Going to have my hair down in front of my face. <laughs> Who can, now that you remove the mask mandate, that means I can wear a mask if I wish to, right? I don't <laughs> have to, but I can if I want to. <laughs> the obverse of your mask mandate, if I don't want to, I have to. But now that I don't want to, I can't. Destroy them with their reason and logic. And let them I remember what they're doing as, those, as they sit on them benches are doing the exact same thing California did when they legislated plastic straws out of use. So they went from plastic straws wrapped in paper wraps to plastic wrapped 
paper straws. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Oh, nothing. Yeah. yeah. So much, so many other things are just so mm-hmm. completely arbitrary. You know, I, I had to laugh. I remember four or five years ago going into a, a small bank that I didn't use it often, but um, I went in and I was wearing a hat and they knew me in there. The people knew me. Uh, the the branch manager there knew me. And she said, hi, Brian, when I walked in. And uh, she said, you know, off to the side, she said, uh, by the way, could you remove your hat? And I was like, huh? And I just kind of ignored it. And she came up to me and she said, no, seriously, you have to remove your hat. We don't let people wear a hat in here. You know, because, you know, you've got the brim on your hat. And this is something I recommend to people, especially getting into this whole digital age and, you know, big brother cameras everywhere and everything. You know, you put your head down whenever you know that there's cameras when you're going in a place where it covers your eyes, covers the face. And, and that's going to, you know, really throw a kink in their system if they're mm-hmm. trying to follow this, you know, like they have in Asia. But, yeah, I guess this particular bank did not let people wear a hat into the bank. I thought, wow, that's kind of odd in this day and age. But Well, yeah, they'll, walk, they'll let a uh, Muslim wo- woman walk in with a mask on her face regardless of any mask mandate or any cameras or any hood or anything like that. So it's, it's proof of their idiocy on for the face of the record. You can't make it demandable in one situation but give an exception in another place. The exception overrules or overrides all rules. Yeah, everything, they just totally flip-flop and reverse everything, you know, because if you, you know, walked into uh, an institution like that, you know, a few years ago, and you had a handkerchief, you know, across your face and sunglasses on and a hat or whatever, um, they'd be hitting the panic button, you know, oh, we're getting robbed, <laughs> you know what I mean? And and, it, and like we're, we're pointing out, though, that's that's a false alarm. You can't do that. You can't pose your fear as a public fear. You have to qualify your fear first. Otherwise, you go making false accusations and alarms like that. You're causing the public disturbance. Well, here's the bottom line when it comes to a lot of this stuff. And I think this is something that a lot of people completely miss is that a lot of these uh, different businesses that were wanting people to, you know, follow a certain protocol or whatever, uh, you just bring up their charter to yes. their company president. Where in your charter are one of your duties to protect the public? You have no duty to protect people health-wise. So, therefore, this stuff is completely arbitrary and BS. Right. And their charters are chartered under an empowering corporation. And so what I found useful is not only look up their charter, but go to go up the line to find mm-hmm. out who owns them and whether they've got an SEC filing or not. Find out if they're operating publicly, public sales or private. Once you find that out, you find their bond and you let them know, hey, I'm going to own the whole fucking company if you don't put your dog in line. I'm not going to deal with the dog. I'm not going to deal with police policing the police. I go straight up to the top. Like I said, I gave the international notice and they have that notice at the joint chiefs of staff and the general counsel at the Pentagon. And if they don't respond, like I said, I put it out as an SOS, save our souls and a mayday, 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 a distress call. They put out a bench warrant saying that they've got goons that are come up and they're going to come over and physically kidnap me for a false warrant. Period. 
I think I've got absolute cause to put out a mayday. They warned yeah. me that they were going to kidnap me. In the public forum at that. All right, guys. Uh, you know what? I think I want to scoot this evening. Um, I got Haya here with us. Anything you want to say while you're here, Haya? Yeah, I would love to. Um, one thing that popped out when Keith was talking was he said the word sing. And I looked up in the Hebrew ancient pictograph. Uh, it says that um, is zamar. The word picture tells us that to prune, we need to cut off the bitterness or to cut off the rebel. It's also the same word that's used for a song or for music. And the concept is that of plucking, both pruning and music can remove chaos and bitterness. And I am a singer. I've done psalmistry type of stuff. But also I'm a hairdresser, so I do cut off a lot of, you know, dead hair and dead ends and stuff like that. And it's funny that my customer had said to me something about, hey, you just taught me a Hebrew word or letter about sing, and you sing and you cut hair at the same time. And I go, yeah, that's really interesting. But what I think that maybe the command for us to sing a new song, sing a new song unto the Lord, uh, I think in a way it's kind of acknowledging um, that there's someone greater than us. And also I think that when we do sing something new or sing a new song, um, we are pruning off and cutting off maybe some dead ends or some, it kind of helps to soften our heart. Cause you look at King David when he was, um, not the King yet, he was a little shepherd boy playing the instrument and he'd go in where King Saul had demons. And when he was playing or plucking the strings, those demons wanted to kill David as he's doing the psalmistry, he'd get the sword and want to, you know, spear him. But I think that the one thing that I heard in this discussion was that we do need to go back to the ancient ways. Um, we do maybe need to acknowledge the creator and sing a new song. And I think that will not just, you know, acknowledge the fact that we're not the greatest, but it's all also going to help prune anything off of us. It's going to help soften our hearts and give us a different perspective. That's what I thought I'd mention well when you when you talk about pruning um in the bible it tells us about um your locks of hair and stuff and and the concept when we see it in nature when we prune a tree if you was to go out and prune a tree and only prune half of it the energy mm -hmm. that the tree uses would automatically by nature be directed to that which was pruned and needful of more leaves Whereas the side that you didn't prune had mm -hmm. the leaves. And so you would see an actual result of the tree having more leaves on the side that you pruned. So when it go when we talk mm -hmm. about singing and, and letting no no word prosper and putting down those that judge uh, putting down the word that judges against us, it's a pruning of the record. So that truth can grow. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's the right. The record is the lies that are dead and you prune mm -hmm. those lies out and the truth grows within it. It allows for truth to grow. 
And that's my only concept in, in what mm -hmm. everything I'm doing. I'm not adding to the record. I can't do that, but I can prune it. I yield. Well, when you talk about pruning, you know, one of the things that come to my mind is, is the word repent. And to repent doesn't mean to apologize or say I'm sorry or ask for forgiveness. You know, the, the church has totally misled people that way. They tell them all you need to do is come up to the altar, ask for forgiveness, and but they don't really arm you as to what to go ahead and do on Monday morning. You know what I mean? And repent really means to change your ways, to change your path. That is how repentance is done. Because if you don't change your ways, if you don't start singing a new song, because I'll tell you what, the song that's been being sung, you know, the past you know, a few hundred years doesn't seem to be taking people in the right direction. So indeed it is time to repent. It is time to do some pruning and start singing a new song. Well, yeah. And that you're, you're spot on because that repentance is the feeling of the dead growth within yourself. So you learn how to prune it so you can regrow, repent, feel the sorrow so that you can channel the energy and grow. It's a self-growth process. You cannot grow unless you prune yourself. Going around yeah. letting everybody else prune mm -hmm. you is killing you. But you've really got to start really singing yeah. a new song. <laughs> you know, if if you if you don't truly do what the word repent means, if you don't change your path and start doing things differently, then you're not going to get anything different. You're going to get the same thing you've always got. By doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And and I don't mean you, Haya. <laughs> You're right. not killing people by pruning them. <laughs> You're doing a good job. Well, <laughs> you look at you look at Mother Nature, you know how Mother right. Nature will will prune an area. There might be a lightning strike, you know, and an area of, of woods burns. But you look at what comes back after that. What comes back after that is even more lush and more green than it was before. Because it's been fertilized by its own carbon. Yeah, fires are an excellent point because um, our, our today today's soil is losing so much of its nutrients because of the way they're treating it. And they're preventing forest fires. But the forest fires are happening because it's a natural process of revitalizing the material in the soil. We have to allow this stuff to happen on a certain scale. We have to let that we have to let nature take them homes for what its purpose is. Yeah, I was looking at something interesting well, today. Like, like, think about your own. Go ahead, Aya. I like to think about my own my own garden I'm looking at right now. Uh, prune the things, you know as day to day, or even like when I teach some of my clients about pruning the tips of their own hair, instead of making it really worse and coming to see me six months or a year, I just tell them, hey, why don't you just do a little bit? If you start to see it start to Y or split, just trim that little piece right there. Do it dry. You can see it. And, you know, they, they're so much more appreciative that the next time they come and see me, they're not getting an inch or two taken off it's just a little tiny snippet and it doesn't hurt their own garden people will start to see that hey that garden looks full bloom 
or their hair looks really good or this or that people will see the results well yeah and your, your hair each little each little strain of hair is a is a uh, antenna it's a receptacle and a transmitter of energies and and when we grow long hair again like it says in the scripture it, it's going to receive those energies and this is um uh, evidenced in various different uh, cultures. We have Jesus that had long hair. We had Buddha that had long hair and locks that were, were toiled up on the top of his head. And that was for a storing of energy. Jesus wore his down as a receiver of energy. Those that wear their hair in locks with a small bun or something on the top, not all of it bunned up like Buddha, is a capacitor to collect energy. And it's just, you know, when we learn how this stuff operates in nature and how important it really is. And then we can start behaving more naturally and we become more spiritual in itself. When we start indoctrinating our children in that public education system to a paper form, instead of observing nature as it is, then we forget all about the natural sense. We lose our instincts. We become well, subjective. Well, Keith, you look at the U.S. military even, you know, because the American Indians were excellent trackers and woodsmen and yes. they wanted to use them, you know, in, in war efforts. But one of the things they did, you know, because it's military, Oh, you got to cut your hair. Well, they yeah. cut their hair and all of a sudden they found out, Oh, they guess what? Track. They didn't have these abilities anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Your hair is just like a dog with long ears. It will attract the sense in the ear and help you smell it. It will help collect the sound and tell you where it's coming from. It will cover the ears and keep them warm. It will do many things that which otherwise we find convenient in hats and headphones and earmuffs and things like that, which is just nothing but an expense that isn't needed. Well, haven't you ever found it interesting if you look at uh, different people that claim to be really sensitive to like ELFs, extremely low frequencies, and all these things going on now more and more uh, traveling in the, in the air that you're, you're going to find that more and more of these people that uh, claim to have these problems and this sensitivity are women. Well, why is that? They have long hair. They're easy to detect these things much easier than a guy with short hair can detect them. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of those people. And I think it's, most certainly because of my long hair, I feel things, um, particularly with my dog. Anytime I've got a dog, <coughs> I develop a very close relationship with my dog because I understand my dog has other sensitivities that are directly related to his instincts, which are for my good. So anytime my dog, if I'm sitting there and I see him and he perks his ears up, I'm on it too. I may not have sensed what he sensed, but I'm on it. So I can see something coming before it might expect me to see it coming. You know, peep my head out the door to see what my dog's hearing or something. Find a neighbor or somebody rooting in the neighbor's stuff. Or something, you know, um, And it's those kind of things that we have to pay attention to that we've been distracted from by the literal and vocal languages. And it's, it's a shame because we, we, we hear that thing, eyes to see and ears to hear. And we're not looking at the right things or hearing the right things. Well, most everybody today has those little white earbuds 
plugged in their ears and uh, there's no way they're going to hear that still small voice and you've got other things constantly being forced into your brain. So, well, anyway, guys, I really got to run here. Uh, thanks for being here, Haya. Thanks for being here, Keith. Uh, great night, Brian. Love it. Got you guys. Thanks. And like I, you got it. Like I say every week, uh, what do you need to learn? You need to learn who you really are, where you're really from, and where you're really at, because that's what you've been deceived on. Have a good night, everybody. Good night, Brian. Good night, Kaya. Right. Good night. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.